it's so easy to view your work with them in counseling as transactional. Like you have a service to give to them and you're here telling me, whoa, 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 (laughs) they're giving to me too. Plot mm. twist, Blake. That was, I wasn't ready for that. I I will be back. I wasn't ready for that. No, yeah, because I mean, none of us are entitled to each other's stories, mm. you know? And so it really is a gift when someone shares really vulnerable, important moments of their lives with truly a perfect stranger, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. they've never met me. <laughs> like, yeah. People of Creston City, people of every everywhere around the world, this is David Christopher Pacheco. Hi, my name is Kimmy. My name is Arthur Ortiz. Been in Denver since 1973. Okay, so let's just talk in circles for a little bit. <laughs> just talk in circles. Yeah. Just shoot the breeze a little yeah. bit. Now they see beyond what I look like. They see what my actions are and say, hey, that is a good person. A lot of people say home is home is where the heart is, but my heart's in many places. It's just, I don't know where home is. Welcome back to the Christ in the City podcast, Homeless But Human. Back with you again are your hosts, Blake and... Hey everyone, it's Shayla. Today, we have a very special guest for you and great friend of Christ in the City, one of our own family members, Sunit Selesky. Sunit, welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Sunit. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we are so excited to have you today, um, just as you've been around the program in so many ways. Um, Sunit actually has her master's in counseling psychology and uh, works for Marisol Health, which is part of the Archdiocese of Denver here. And Sunit, tell us a little bit about your role there, um, what you use your master's for. Totally. Um, So like Blake had said, I have my master's in counseling and I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm actually the clinical director at Marisol Health. So what that looks like is being able to provide counseling um, directly to the women that we serve, which is incredible, um, particularly those who are enrolled in Medicaid, and then helping with our social services team and a few special projects. So it's been great. Yeah. So the homeless, right? Who you're probably seeing in those clinics. Yeah, it's been incredibly eclectic. We do have a lot of people experiencing homelessness coming through and those who are on the lower side of the socioeconomic status as well. So yeah, just people really in need, whether it's emotionally, mentally, or financially poor. Yeah. Are most of those people women that you see? Primarily. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes we get men trickle in, Yeah. um, (laughs) but usually I'm with the ladies. Okay. Yeah, each year, Sunit actually comes as part of our missionary orientation, and we have her talk about uh, mental health and the homeless, of course, because as she just said, she's one of the experts on it, mm-hmm. um, and it is really, our missionaries absolutely love it, but it, mm. even more than that, helps equip them, gives them a few more tools for the belt to really mm-hmm. go to the streets and understand the population um, that they serve. So Sunit is, yeah, when we were thinking of wisdom on this topic, it wasn't hard to to know who to go to. Yeah, so our kind. <laughs> our second year missionaries, each time they're excited again to hear you um, come back and, and speak. Do you want to just kind of tell our listeners a little bit about what you are presenting to the missionaries when you do come every year? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can't believe you guys asked me every year, so I love doing it. <laughs> yeah, well, you're still doing great, Sunit. <laughs> Um, so we come in, I come in usually, and then, um, sometimes use other alumni as well who are in the field mm-hmm. and we do kind of like a bird's eye view on the mental health stratosphere, basically. So what, um, what are the concerns or diagnoses that 
people on the streets that we encounter, our friends on the streets, what might they be living with day to day? And how can we, A, come to like a baseline understanding of it? So, you know, I'm not there twice a year just to make people counselors and social workers. Yeah. But it's really trying to put just like a language and a vocabulary around, you know, there are extreme things that we all saw as missionaries ourselves. Yeah. Um, and how do we kind of put a language to what we see so that we can better encounter those who were called to be serving? Yeah, because you're not teaching us how to deal with the I mental really health. I hope not. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> if that's what they're getting out of that, we got yeah. some problems. Yeah, Dora, but, that is not happening. <laughs> yeah, no, not at all. But you just give us this awareness, right? So mm-hmm. when we go to the streets and we try to love someone, when we try to encounter them, well, part of knowing about your friends is maybe what they struggle with. Um, we get such good addiction counseling. I mean, mental health is such a prevalent thing Mm -hmm. for our homeless brothers and sisters as well. Yeah. To love someone is to know someone. And so to be able to know kind of what their history and what they might be carrying every day. So yeah, it's been a real treat. And I love being with the new missionaries every year. I get Mm -hmm. to meet them that way, which is very cool. Yeah, it is. And just that, that joy of going to the streets for the first time, you know, not knowing (laughs) what to expect. And yeah. So the missionaries always have questions for you. And I'm guessing a lot of our listeners' questions, you know, are really similar to what our missionaries come in not knowing at the beginning of the year. So what is one of the main questions or the biggest questions you get from our missionaries and that you think are, I'm guessing our listeners have the same one? Yeah, it's really edifying and encouraging every time I come um, to meet with them. I feel like the consistent thing that has always been asked and has been really really edifying for me is that they ask like how do we encounter them and meet them where they're at which Mm. is just so sweet and very kind and loving you know um I mean obviously like safety and making sure like how do we know we're helping or how do we reality test you know how do we make sure that we're kind of engaging them in what is actually going on around them Mm. um but at the heart of it I feel like the ultimate question that they're asking is like how do I encounter these people better right and what's my scope which is super wise of like 22 year olds. You know, it's amazing. I'm always blown away every time I come by how like loving and wise they are. It's like you first have to admit, well, I'm not an expert in that and I don't quite know what to do. Right. And it's poor in love. Right. Yeah. Like to know I can't Mm -hmm. do everything and I can't either even being licensed, you know, it's not, we're not gurus. Um, we just have a few more tools in our tool belt, uh-huh. right? But it, it is, it's an incredible kind of witness of poverty and humility and that's the best kind of loving. Yeah. And I bet that's even just like helpful for them to just get a, maybe even a couple of those tools just to like notice better and just like be able to understand people better. Like you I said, like so. even understanding them can help them with that next encounter. Yeah. I'm sure you get this as a mental health counselor, but our missionaries, you just have that experience of when you start to dive into just anything like mental health counseling, like you said, you're not a guru. And when we serve the poor, we see this so fast. I don't have all the answers, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, and that is such a good place to be. Like, I don't, I don't have all the answers. I'm not a guru because what that allows us to do is ask for help, ask for suggestions and continuing, like remembering we aren't the savior, you know, there's such a depth we don't know. And the human person is such a mystery. Preach, Blake. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly <laughs> it. You know, the savior of the world has already come and it's not us. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so to really not use this as yeah a manual to kind of make people fill in the blank, but just as an opportunity to be like, this is, these are things that you're living with. And I have like a very foundational understanding, but I'd love for you to tell me more about your own experience. Yeah. Right. And mostly just to, to listen and to understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
not yeah. to, not to fix, but just to, a to understand. Yeah. And walk with them. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, I'm, I'm really curious because I've talked about this with quite a few different groups of people and volunteers that come through our doors, um, talking about like why people end up homeless. Um, and, and sometimes people, I, I like ask the question, why do you, why do you think someone becomes homeless? And oftentimes we get an answer that, uh, mental health and different, um, reasons for mental health, why people end up becoming homeless. Um, and you get to work very closely with people who are homeless. I would love for you to just kind of like tell us a little bit about your day to day and the, the type of people that you encounter um, mm. and what that looks like at Marisol Health. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great question. Yeah, I just love them, you know, and it's a real privilege for all of us. Um, but in my role specifically at Marisol Health, um, to be entrusted with people's lives and people's stories and the, their vulnerabilities, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's I, it's always blows me away at the first meeting that someone comes into the room to a perfect stranger mm-hmm. and shares the most intimate details of their lives. Like it just blows me away every yeah. time. Um, and it's so sacred and precious, you know. Yeah. And so a lot of the women that we serve, um, mm-hmm. Marisol Health is a comprehensive OBGYN clinic with wraparound social services. And it really is serving, you know, women who are unexpectedly pregnant, women in crisis, and women who find themselves in very vulnerable situations. Um, And of course, around life decisions, it's not just women. There are men that are a part of the equation as well. And so really wanting to provide the support to everyone involved um, so that they can say, I guess, more freely and more hopefully abundantly, you know, um, yeah, that's kind of a flyover. Yeah, that's beautiful. I yeah, I, I can't imagine. Beautiful. I can't imagine you. Um, our missionaries have experienced this quite a bit. Where I've even experienced this myself, um, meeting people for the first time. And sometimes when you just give people a space to unfold, they'll just like completely unfold. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I can't imagine that the intensity of poverty that doesn't just like magnify the. Yeah. Mm-hmm the intensity of their unfolding as well. Yeah, I think the really neat thing about the job, and we can all probably, you know, I'm assuming, (laughs) but I think we could all maybe relate is when you work and serve humans, you realize how human we all actually are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And how much of a desire there is for connection and for support and for a community. At the heart of it, I mean, we're all poor and we're all human. So to really be able to encounter one another in that way and kind of walk alongside the road together hopefully just having someone make a space um, to be able to have someone rest a while and say like, you're welcome here. What would you say when you have these, these clients, but these people come, what's the biggest thing you give them? I mean, based on what you just said, I'm guessing it's not, you know, a perfect answer on their mental health condition. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know, a couple of us year one missionaries are in this Dante book club and we've been doing it since September. And there's a line from it that really struck me. And it, he said, time is love. Mm. And so I think, Ooh. right. Not bad. Dante. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> That's the name of this podcast. Time <laughs> is love. <laughs> but uh, to really, I think there is something, there's few things as precious to all of us as time. You know, we all kind of have our schedules and we mm-hmm. have the priorities that we need to do in a day and these things that are getting at us and iPhone alerts and calendar invites and all of these things are kind of circling around us. And so I think to just make space for someone um, to say that you are the most important thing right now yeah, and then give them that time, give them that, you know, hour and actually make it an hour. Yeah. I think that is such a, a huge gift, especially because no one 
is rich in time. Everyone has the same 24 hours in the day. Absolutely. And so like you spending that time with them um, and meeting them wherever they're at is like, that's a huge gift. Totally. And honoring that they gave me their time. Right. Right. They took an hour out of their day to do that, you know? Um, And like you said earlier, like sometimes people do just want to unload, you know, you get to Mm -hmm. the point you're like, whoa, you needed, you were carrying this for a long time and you needed to like lighten, didn't you? Yeah. Um, But I know I've been there. Uh, where I, you know, I was like, I just, I just need to kind of like unburden the burdens or whatever right, it right. is. Um, and so, yeah, I just think time is, yeah, the great equalizer mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And so to give it to one another is really um, humbling. Yeah. I love that perspective of they're giving you their time too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's so easy to view, even me to view your work with them in counseling as transactional like wait you have a service to give to them and you're here telling me whoa 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 they're giving to me too plot Mm. twist blake (laughs) i wasn't ready for that i i will be back i wasn't ready for that (laughs) no yeah because i mean none of us are entitled to each other's stories Mm. you know and so it really is a gift when someone shares these really vulnerable yeah important moments of their lives with truly a perfect stranger you know <laughs> i mean yeah. they've never met me <laughs> like yeah. um and so i think just realizing that's what i mean like i think this incredible encounter isn't tra- i love that word it's not transactional mm-hmm. it could be very easily and yeah. i think we all have experienced in, in all of our lives where we can kind of note when it has felt that way yeah. you know where it's like ding done you know yep checked uh, off exactly yep. but to really like use it as like wow this is you are here and I am here and both of us said yes. And this is exactly where we're supposed to be. So let's begin, you yeah. know, and there's something really significant about that. Man, when I was on the streets and I know our missionaries do this too, it can even be hard sometimes to not view it as like, all right, I'm just here to help them looking at your clock being like, all right, I've got three hours of helping today, totally. you know, you know, or like, mm-hmm. wow, I am very tired. Like, I'm just going to kind of grudge through this. Like, what do you find in those moments with that? Like, I'm sure not every day Sunit's like, oh my gosh, this is someone giving me their time, you know? Like, like what have you found in this career, in this profession, especially with the the people you get to work with? No, it's a really good question. Yeah, because I'm human. We're all human. Oh, yeah. Right? Prayer is like the lifeblood, right? So it really doesn't make sense apart from it because anyone's altruism or kindness or good characteristics only goes so far before you burn out. Mm-hmm. And so really finding time for prayer and making sure that that is happening before every session. Um, Cause it, you can tell the difference with right. the ones that you yeah. don't and the ones that you do, you know? Yeah. And it was the same when I was a missionary. I was like, yeah. there were days where it's like, I actually don't want to go. <laughs> yeah. Do I have to, you yeah. know? Yeah. Like, um, Sunit, as you say that it's like, yes, like you are not their savior and we could just full stop there based on everything you said in that mindset going in is, completely changes the way you approach the person in front of you. Mm-hmm. Totally. And it takes so much pressure off you. Yeah, it does. I, on, on the flip side of it, I am wondering though, like if you can speak into a little bit, Sunit, um, how important it is to like show up, how important it is for that person that you're showing up for. Um, and like what that is communicating to them. Mm, no, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, it sounds so simple, isn't it? Right. But just like telling someone like you, your dignity is so profound that you, the 
most fundamental thing I can do for you is actually just be here with you. Mm. And that feels like that's it. You know, um, I think we, all of us, and I, you know, I am on the top of the list, like to overcomplicate things and really like try to, you know, plan ahead, reason out. And those things aren't bad things. It shows that we care, you know, it shows that it's worth our time to think about and prepare and all of those sorts of things. But at the end of the day, um, presence means so much. Yeah. And there are a few things that are as healing as just presence, you know. And that's not hard. <laughs> right. But it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, to just be with. Yeah. One thing that strikes me is that those are almost the same things we say about serving the homeless every day. It's yeah. like, yeah, you don't need the answers. Mm-hmm. We have a mental health counselor over here saying, no, my answers aren't as important as my presence. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that from you. Yeah. You know, neither. <laughs> <laughs> the joy of this, you know, it's the Lord yeah. in the moment. Yeah. Yeah. The sacrament of the present moment. Mm-hmm. I actually had an experience last week, a couple weeks ago at one of our lunches in the park. Um, and I met a man for the first time. I don't know if he had been to lunch before, um, but he was just a little bit down. Like he wasn't mm-hmm. very, um, positive and he was just like talking to me and I, I was, we were just starting to get to know each other a little bit. It was, it was really kind of a tough conversation because, because I could tell that he was dealing with a lot internally I and mean, he was voicing a lot of strong opinions about like what the city is doing to help the homeless. I mean, he was homeless himself too. So it was very personal to him, like his, his opinions and he just had even mentioned like about our our lunch. He's like, well, what is this lunch actually doing? Like, what is this doing to get people off the streets? And in that moment, it was like actually really tough for me because I was like, I kind of like panicked internally for a second. I'm like, oh man, I need to like give this guy the answer. Like, no, you can go here. You can go here, here, here and get off the streets and then you'll be fine. Um, but then I just kind of had like a, just like a recollection and came back to why are we doing this? Like, why do you go out and meet people? Why are we having a lunch today with, with the homeless? And I kind of was able to help walk him through that. Even I was like, well, we have been out on the streets for 11 years as an organization. And, um, what we found is like to actually help the homeless, you need to earn their trust. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so this launch today is like, we're trying to build community, but we're also trying to like gain trust of people. Mm -hmm. And so like, if, even if you can talk about like trust and how important that is, I think that's, that's something that is very key to, it sounds like your role even at, at Marisol Health as well. Yeah, no, that's a beautiful story. And I'll kind of come back to you with another story. We yeah. had a client recently who'd come in as a walk-in and she was homeless. And there was a lot of just like complexity surrounding her circumstances, you know, um, a lot of health concerns and just a lot of different things. And she's, you know, been to the clinic multiple times mm-hmm. and we're not really the right fit, (laughs) you know, like we're not the Mm. right place, the right next place, practically speaking for Mm her. And so we're, you know, talking with her, listening to her, asking her how she's doing, seeing what material support we could provide her in the immediate moment, all those things. And she's like, but you guys just care though. That's why I keep coming back. Mm -hmm. And she literally said that Wow. and just stopped me and one of my coworkers in our tracks, you know, because that's why people come back. And there were places around us that are, you know, far more 
capable and that's where we were trying to get her next like yeah. really we're telling you like this is the yeah. right next place right. you know this is going to help in all these practical things which are true and I think having you know degrees or having like further education on these things is important we're not saying it's not important I'm I'm not saying it's not important but I think at the heart of it it serves the relationship yeah, yeah. like that's not the end Ooh. right you know right. the Ooh. end the beginning the end all of it is the relationship and so, like, thinking about the person that you just shared about, Shayla, and thinking about this woman that I had calling to mind from a couple days ago, mm-hmm. you know, um, we just, I think we underestimate how much that relationship means. Yeah. And how much it matters. Period. You know? Yeah. Like, that really is the end. Mm. And not even just us, but it's, like, encountering a person in communion you know, because the Trinity is a communion and I yeah. don't, I truly like we are made for communion. Right. And so these are tastes of that eternal communion that we're all made for. And I think the folks who come to lunch in the park know that that's why they keep coming back. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and this woman who keeps coming to our clinic knows that because that's, she's getting a taste of it, not because of who we are, but because of what it is doing in her own heart. Uh, it speaks to the depths of the mystery of the human person. Right, John Paul II Amen. spoke so much about that. But Sunit, you guys are, yeah, in that story, it's like you're trying to tell her like, no, you need this service. Right. You know, you weren't intentionally doing it, but it's no, like, no, we were. yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what you need. This is what you <laughs> yeah. need. This is what you need. And she's sitting here saying, I don't need that. I want someone to love me. Yeah. You know, it's like she totally. she literally was like, I, I, yeah, those are good services and I'm sure they would help me. I mean, this could be an internal dialogue she'd have or maybe didn't even notice, but it's like, yeah, those services would, are the next step, but not for what I want. Yeah. Like what I want is love and friendship and <laughs> someone to care. Yeah. I even was wondering after my conversation with that man at the park, I, I was like, what if he did have housing tomorrow and he was in housing and where would he be? Would he be like there? Would he be happy? And I just like mm. couldn't see, I didn't see that for him. Like I, I saw that there was a much greater need than just him just for, you know, us to have the perfect solution for housing. Like it was totally. way deeper than that. And I think it's like a matter of being comfortable with our own poverty. Yeah. Because yeah. it's easier to give someone resources or the perfect answer or flyers or mm-hmm. um, socks, you know, yeah. like whatever it is, um, as opposed to just sitting with someone. And that's more fulfilling, but a lot more difficult mm. yeah. um, to do. And so... Yeah, the important work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, I have no idea why this analogy came to me, but it's like, yeah, when, when they come in for those resources, you know, it's almost like when we see the homeless and when we view them, when we forget about their mystery, right, that we're actually shooting for this Trinitarian relationship, this friendship, we see them as, I know it's so cliche, but like a problem to be fixed, like almost like a car. It's like you see this person, you see a car on the side of the road. It doesn't look good. It needs help. So you go and you're like, okay, next step, this, that, the other, let me help you get off here. And it's like, wow, that is like objectifying a person. I mean, of course, not intentionally by any means, Mm -hmm. but, but in a way it's like, that makes sense because that's way easier. You know, that is way easier than looking at the person on the side of the road seeing, you know, brokenness inside of them and things that they need next and just saying it's going to be easier to just find those things to to just truly encounter them. Or to not look, (laughs) you know, 
And I, yeah. I, cause there are, there are moments in the car where you have this like crisis of conscience at a stoplight, you know? Oh, yeah. it doesn't matter how long you're doing this. You always matter. do. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah, totally. Which is probably a whole nother podcast, but <laughs> I think to, you know, you're at the stoplight and you're like, okay, do I have the blessing bag? Yeah. You know, do I have like something? Do I have like a gift card or <laughs> anything, you know? And I'm to realize, not anything. You right, right. That's what you land on. Like it's that. It's like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not anything, you know? And then like, there's that moment of like, I feel like great courage where it's like, I'm going to risk rolling down the window and asking for their name and saying hi and trusting that that has to be enough today. Yeah. But it feels poor from the driver's seat, <laughs> you know, yeah. like brother, man, I'm sorry. I wish yeah. I could give you something, you know? Yeah. Um, but like talk about recollectedness, like to have the moments when you like roll back your window or most people don't roll yeah. up windows anymore, but like <laughs> it goes back up and you turn the quarter and you keep driving and it sticks with you. Like you, you yeah. don't just forget about it. You know, you spend at least a block <laughs> yeah. right. um, thinking like, did I do the right thing? What didn't I do? What can I change? It's like a, like a pseudo examine, you yeah. know, but it's just all these opportunities in a day to be able to relate to one another and how numb we've become to that because yeah. it's easier to make things transactional than it is to mm-hmm. actually sit with another person even uh-huh. for 10 seconds at a stoplight yeah when you don't have something physical <laughs> totally, to offer yeah. them <laughs> yeah yeah you have the greatest physical gift ever which is your your soul in that moment yeah and i love that crazy you know? city story of like the person saying i don't remember the last time i heard my name mm-hmm. like that's one of my favorite stories you guys yeah. have shared you know and I'm, you know, just to ask for the grace to remember that every time I yeah. get in the car, um, as opposed to regretting that I did this instead of grabbing another blessing bag. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. Again, blessing bags aren't bad, but no, no. you're so, greater than that blessing bag yeah. to give to them. Yeah. Ultimately, I feel like the question that we're asking ourselves today is like, to what end? Yeah. Is it the end of giving someone something or is it the end of acknowledging someone's humanity and them acknowledging ours and us being in yeah. relationship, you know? Yeah, circling back to what you said earlier, it's like you're giving them something, but don't you forget a moment that they're giving you something too. And that changes the mindset completely. It's like, well, when your clients come in, it's like if you sit there with that mindset of I'm giving them something and they're giving me something, I don't know who's given the greater gift in this moment. Totally. If we approached a stoplight like that or those days when our missionaries, including myself, just don't want to go, you know, it's like, if we remember that, oh my gosh, they're giving me something too. And that's, that's their presence as well. Yeah. It just stirred up, um, kind of a line, my show prep, you know, but a line that I had kind of, uh, felt like a desire to share. And it was from Fulton Sheen. Oh, nice. Um, a friend of Blake's, I think. I love him. <laughs> um, but he has this beautiful line and he says, love burdens itself with the wants and woes and losses and even the wrongs of others. Whoa. Read it one more time, please, Sunit. You got it, Blake. For those in the back. I couldn't get it the first time. I need two times (laughs) to understand what I just read. Um, Love burdens itself with the wants and woes and losses and even the wrongs of others. But like that love burdens itself. At the stoplight, in a counseling room, across the dinner table, you know, that like love demands of us. Yeah. Yeah. And how do you do that each day? You know, and like you said earlier, it's like prayer. Well, that makes sense. (laughs) 
going back to the source of love. Yeah. Filling up to then. Yeah. 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 And going easy on ourselves when we try to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, as we look at, you know, in, in our Catholic liturgical year, there's so many readings, liturgies, beautiful reflections from great saints on just really the Easter season that we have coming up. But even more than that, um, you know, the suffering beforehand, mm. right? And we see the Lord taking on that burden. But um, I know, Snee, earlier you were mentioning just talking a lot about how the Lord even showed up um, and our response to that. And when we when people ask us what we do, or you could really say what you do. It's like, well, when I do it well, it's something that Jesus did, yeah. you know, Absolutely. and the way people responded to him is how we get responded to. We just don't respond as perfectly as he does. <laughs> it's not fair. It's a cheat code, but he's, he's got it. Yeah. Right? He can do it. Um, would you like to go into that a little more, Sunit? Oh, I'd love to. I have like a secret mission, you guys. Oh, um, yeah. Hold I, on. I, I know. You didn't know about this. Sorry, I'm not sorry. You're not sorry at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, we all know Thomas is Doubting Thomas. And I just think it's kind of an unfair title, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, and so this secret mission that I have is to just like reclaim Thomas for as Ooh. wonderful as he is, because he is, he's incredible. And he's so relatable if we're all honest with ourselves, you know? And so you have this man who gave up his whole life after meeting Jesus to follow him and to be one of his apostles, to be one yeah. of his closest friends, to be like him, to be with him. Yeah. Gave up his whole life. And then Jesus... I mean, we're talking about, you know, like this Paschal mystery, the Triduum, these holy three days um, where his passion, death, and resurrection occurs. And Thomas lived through that. Mm. And then Jesus rose and Thomas wasn't there to see him. Mm. And that's devastating. It's really painful as a person, yeah. you know, just like imagine, imagine being Thomas um, and how heartbreaking that is to not have been in the room. And we don't know mm. the reason scripture hasn't revealed that to us, you know, um, but I think it's a beautiful opportunity to kind of enter into like a Lectio Divino about it and yeah. just really ask the Lord to kind of show it in our own hearts. But ultimately speaking, factually and realistically, what happened was Thomas wasn't there the first time. Yeah. yeah. And he was mad, like mad, you know, and that's where the doubting Thomas came from. And he kind of like called the bluff and he's like, well, if he's coming, then I want to see him myself. I want to see the wounds. I want to see him. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus the demands of love, even after he rises from the dead, which is just yeah. crazy to me. I'm like, we're so small. You know, it wasn't enough that he lived with us. He came down and descended and was born a man. The second person, the Trinity lived with us, taught us, died for us, rose for us. Yeah. And then he came back for us. And that's mm -hmm. astounding. Like just the depth of love, like there is no end. It is unfathomable, you know? Yeah. And for Thomas, that he loved him specifically and particularly that way too. Like he came back for Thomas and that's yeah. in the gospels and this beautiful account. And, you know, I heard that there is tradition um, where when Thomas had um, touched the wounds of Christ, that he, when he kind of put his fingers in the wound, as all those beautiful images have shown that he was able to kind of pierce the heart of Christ almost. And so to like experience the love that Jesus had for him and that his cry after his hands, like this humanity enters into the wounds of our redeemer yeah. was my Lord and my God, my God and my all. Wow. And that that came was born of this profound encounter. 
when one person's redeemed wounds were able to save and heal again his friend, his brother, his son's fresh wounds, you know? Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I just think that there's more to Thomas than just doubting. And can you really blame him? It's like, I... I don't know. We see this a lot. Maybe you see this with your clients and I'd love to hear more about it. But with, with the homeless, it's like when you're let down, I won't say Jesus let Thomas down, right? I will no, not say that, not. Yeah. but when he didn't understand the full, Thomas didn't understand the full picture because he's not God, right. you yeah. know, and he was confused mm-hmm. and he was maybe angry and he, his whole world was flipped upside down, right? How similar does this sound to stories of people we know, right? These tragic stories on earth. And it's like, of course he was skeptical, mm-hmm. right? Why wouldn't you be? But then what was it that Christ kept doing? Showing up, mm-hmm. you know, just like, just like you do with your, your clients, just like our missionaries do on the streets. It's like, I don't, I don't know. What are your thoughts? I don't blame him for being a skeptic. Yeah. And I, I think don't we, either. Yeah. I think we're all in consensus. Thank <laughs> God. Two more in the party bus. <laughs> um, His name is still doubting Thomas though. So <laughs> no. we have a long way to go. He's a saint. Let's just <laughs> call you. him Saint Thomas. The apostle. Cause he is yes. Blake. <laughs> um, doubting Thomas. <laughs> no, I think the amazing thing, we can think about it professionally we can think about it personally in our own lives like when we have moments of skepticism or doubt and if we keep digging into that like what's at the heart of it there's a hurt there Mm. you know and I love the way you kind of laid it out Blake of confusion misunderstanding trauma you know I would be very traumatic to have experienced and witnessed all that he did and you know maybe even the person I mean and this is obviously this is just a fruit of prayer. We're not talking dogmatically here, but no. I think um, really important to just say like at the heart of it, that there is hurt and suffering and that Christ recognized that because he knows Thomas, he knows us. And then he knew to come to Thomas personally and to encounter him in that way. Yeah. And I wish I was a fly in the wall that day, you know, just to kind of see what was going yeah. on. But We've experienced that ourselves. I know I have. I have experienced moments where Christ has met me in my hurt and woundedness and gave me the gift of himself. And that yeah. I didn't know that that's what I needed. But in that moment, it's all that I desired. Yeah. To be suffered with, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you, the way you just laid it out was Jesus and Thomas had a friendship, right? And then Thomas was hurting. And friends know what to do when their friends are hurting. You know, and then that's what the Lord did. He, like, yeah. yeah. And the story of redemption didn't end there. Like it's going on today yeah. in the Easter season of 2022. Yeah. Thank God he gives us the grace and the power to go and imitate him. To to try and be him for other people. Our, our little selves just trying to show someone else Christ. Trying to receive Christ in, in them. That is like beyond me. Yeah. Beautiful. Amen. Amen. It's been a true honor to sit with you today. And thanks for supporting our program and our missionaries very well. No, I love this mission and you guys. And thanks for hanging out today. It was great to be with you. Yeah. And as as we wrap up, we just, yeah, kind of just wrap up that conversation with the reality that the poor in our lives are also gifts to us. And that's just the greatest thing we can give. And, and friendship is what leads us to know what friends need. Absolutely. And all of it is a work of God. And all, yeah. And do not put that pressure on yourself, especially tomorrow. It works neat. Don't do it. You got it, Blake. Don't do it. Roger that. Thank you to all of our listeners with us today. 
Um, we hope that you are having a great Easter season and we will see you all in a couple weeks from now. God bless. Mother Teresa, one of our patrons would say, if I look at the masses, I will not act. If I look at the one, I will. Because of these one-on-one encounters, because of people like you stepping out of your comfort zone, this mission is spreading. This mission is making its way into parishes, schools, seminaries, and communities nationwide. We have families making care kits for the homeless, college students coming on week-long mission trips and then going back on fire to serve the poor in their cities, seminarians and small groups across the country doing Christ in the City-style street ministry. This mission is becoming a national and worldwide endeavor, and we're so happy you're here. For even more in-depth Christ in the City training, exclusive videos, and interviews with the homeless, we invite you to join our known and loved monthly giving community. This is one of the most impactful ways you can join us in this mission. Visit ChristInTheCity.org and make a monthly gift today to join our known and loved community and receive a special Christ in the City gift. Imagine with me for a moment if every homeless person had one friend who cared about them. What a difference that would make in the world. And what if that one friend is you? You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, podcast platforms. And do us a favor and go hit subscribe and leave us a review. Again, check us out more at ChristInTheCity.org. God bless you.